Hey there, my name is Mark McCartney and welcome to the What is a Good Life podcast. Over the last two years, I've interviewed over 150 people around this question, and I'm creating content not to provide you with a universal answer, but to prompt your own inquiry into this question. On the 14th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast, I'm joined by Charlotte Wiedemann, who is a journalist and a death doula. Through her journalism work, she's creating a greater awareness of death, funeral and grief issues. And at Ahon Grupa, where she currently works, she has helped to amass a following of almost 200,000 followers on TikTok through discussing these themes. In this episode, we discuss our societal difficulties in discussing death, our repression of emotions, beautiful moments within suffering, how we can support people experiencing loss, the aliveness and gratitude for life Charlotte experiences through working with the dead, and how birth, life, and death are so deeply intertwined. Charlotta also shares some profound exercises and thoughts with regards contemplating death to create healthier relationships and a better life. Paradoxically, I found this conversation around death to be extremely enlivening, and it further enhances my perspective that the more we avoid acknowledging death, the more we fear fully living. This conversation left me with a lot to contemplate, as I'm sure it will for you too. And if you enjoy this conversation, please like, share, and subscribe, as I greatly appreciate your support at this stage of my podcasting journey. So without further ado, the 14th episode of the What is a Good Life podcast. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me today on the What is a Good Life podcast. As I've mentioned in our preamble, I've been seeking rigorously someone to talk about the topic of death with in, in terms of the question of what is a good life. So I'm really excited to have you here with us today. Me too. Thank you for having me. So as I tend to do, Charlotte, I start off with the question of, is there a question that you're trying to answer as you move through life? Well, I would say it's also what is a good life, but it is connected to what is a good death. And to me, both questions are very much related because I think if you have lived a good life, then chances are pretty high that you will have some good feelings, at least around death. At what point did you start to start this inquiry of, of what, is, what is a good death? What's your journey like towards this question? Well, my... Personal journey, yeah, started a lot longer ago, actually, um, than when I got into the field of working around death. Uh, my father is an oncologist, so he's um, basically treated um, people that are not having great deaths. So I was always confronted with the question, well, if you are lucky enough not to fall victim to a vicious disease, what is actually a way of having a good death and can I impact on that in some way? And luckily enough, I've also learned um, from my father and a lot of other people that you can even, if you have a vicious cancer or um, any other disease, you can still have beautiful and also magical moments around that journey despite the suffering. And I was very much interested in finding out more about that magic and that beauty in death and um, yeah and who can uh, accompany me in this experience and what can I do in order to impact that positively. Oh, that's uh, this expression beauty in death or magical moments in tremendous suffering uh, that just sound, that sounds so beautiful to me. Yeah because it's all about transformation right I mean if we, we all know I mean if you've had a really bad experience in your life and you've managed to 
go through it, then you might know that there's a beauty in kind of getting through that and finding strength in it and also being weak sometimes and vulnerable and maybe finding people that share the same experience and soaring again after that experience and transforming in your essence through that experience. And all of that is very much connected to the experience of death. So um, it is very essential and very human. Maybe the the ultimate human experience besides birth. Yeah, there's a. It almost feels like we we categorize these things as opposite poles, like uh, death and birth. You know, even the questions I sent you before, like what is a good life and what is a good death, they almost seem like they're they're at opposite ends. But we both kind of think that they're the same. You know, as you've just said, they're the same kind of question in in some way. Yeah. Um, what what do you think is our like even with the work you're doing at the at the moment in terms of just trying to maybe like bring this more into the the public consciousness of like let's talk about death a little bit like what do you think we're finding so difficult about dis- discussing something that happens literally to to everyone <laughs> yeah know? yeah yeah and that happens so many times every day i think it's there are several reasons i mean in my country it's especially i'm i'm from germany and it's especially hard to talk about these things because you know we are in our mentality quite reserved people you know on 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 the whole i would say and then we have had quite difficult historic experiences around death and we there was an yeah we there there were just so many deaths that we didn't want to do anything to to do with it anymore i think and there was just this emotional and logistical burden that we just kind of tried to push it away and we didn't want to um, be near it anymore and we were quite happy for institutions to take over and to to distance ourselves as as much as much as we could and also I think we are quite in our culture quite and I think that's quite similar to maybe uh, people in your country as well because I've I've lived in in London, uh, for example, for a while. And I know that uh, we kind of share this notion that it's quite hard to be raw as a human, you know, like we don't want to give away too much of our rawness as humans. And we don't want to be seen giving birth. We don't want to be seen dying. We don't want to be in tears in front of everyone. We don't want to shout out loud, you know. Um, yeah. that's, that's things that we have to kind of relearn or, or, yeah, just kind of be fine with in order to be fine with experiences like birth and death and um, cultures that have integrated this sort of experience more, they don't seem to have too much trouble talking about about death. And for example, you know, I've been around African funerals where there's just so much shouting going on and so much crying and, and kids are in the middle of it and everyone is just kind of giving their all and shouting it all out. And then, you know, they're exhausted and then they bake bread together and you kind of go home and you feel like you've given it your all and you're kind of fine for the moment. And they also talk very openly around about death. So I think there's kind of a connection between how we are as humans and how much we kind of connect with our, with our physical being. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And connected to this whole topic of death. 
Well, when you when you say that, it, it just kind of makes me feel, like it makes me feel a little bit like there's like such a like when you think of just how or, like so much emotions that must be going on at any given uh, funeral or ceremony. And like when you're talking about that, like almost like just such a repression or such a orderly form of behavior, you, you know, mm-hmm. and we do these we tick these uh, things off that we do like um even in Ireland, if it's, you know, the funeral, then the wake, uh, uh, you know, afterwards and the people give their talks and they try to hold it together. Y- yeah. Y- do you know what I mean? Like this idea that a, almost a good eulogy would be, I managed to keep it together. But what you're almost yeah. describing there is just like, no, just let all this it's out. It's the opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's actually a mistake um, in our cultural thinking that we we think if, if we manage to keep an emotion away then we don't have to go through it yeah but the opposite is the case if if we go through an emotion then we have a chance to get through it you know and everything else is going to get back at you at some point yeah. um and yeah so that's really my experience if you try to keep it together then it will kind of bite you in the ass at some point <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think we can all relate to that. You, you know, like I, I, I don't, I don't think we get away with much in terms of just not acknowledging things. You know, I, I was mentioning yeah. to you uh, just before we started recording. Just even there was a lady Diane Button's work that I was reading about, where she was just referencing the people that she was working with towards their end of life and death. They were recalling things from their twenties or thirties, which they didn't put something right in a relationship with a friend and it still sticks with us. Like, I, I think I think we really, as you say, I think we really believe if we put enough distance and time between ourselves and the experience of the emotion that something has been remedied. Yeah. But it that's stays actually, with us. For sure. And that's actually something that I always try to, um, to integrate when I uh, work with people around death and that want to kind of get closer to, to the topic of death and their own death is, um, you know, there are some very powerful images that you can work with. For example, if you picture yourself on your on your deathbed and you think about the um, the people that will be there or that you want to be there, and then, um, you know, you, you can start asking yourself questions like, okay, so who should be there and why couldn't they be there at this point? You know, what's kind of keeping them from being there at the moment? Or do I have something that keeps me from inviting them? And um, then you can start working with that, basically, and, and start having those conversations that will get you to, to a point where you will happily invite them when you're on your deathbed, you know, if you think they should be there. Also, for example, I, I once uh, did a death meditation with a death doula from, from LA, and she had a very uh, beautiful ceremony uh, for it where you basically, you, you had to start by um, looking at yourself in the mirror and then say goodbye to all the people that you would miss. But you would also say goodbye to your material possessions, but also to your emotions and to your memories. And then you had to write a letter to a person or to the world, basically, like a goodbye letter. And what happened with me was that I was kind of addressing all the people that I love and telling them, you know, all the things that I that I loved about them, but also things that I regretted. You know, that yeah. was kind of a feeling, a very prominent feeling that came up. All the things that I regretted and that I was thankful for. And these feelings actually stuck with me for a week afterwards. And I told people what I had felt. And it really liberated me so much that it was just 
something that I kept recommending to people to to write goodbye letters and to actually start feeling those emotions. So if you actually um, start thinking your life from the end, you know, if you then you will actually have a lot more intensity and positive feeling in your in your present because then you know, okay, probably looking back, I will have the feeling I lived the moments I was supposed to and there was no um, holding back, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That sounds so liberating though. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. Because it's one thing to... You know, when we're talking about maybe people being repressed from saying things, but when you put it through the lens of, could I invite this, like, would this person be at my deathbed? Like, then that's almost like, they. but if I want them to be there, they need to be there. So this yeah. is what I have to do to, to bring exactly. them back in. And there's something so, I don't know, there's something really powerful about that that that, that framing or that, that thinking of that scenario and then seeing what obstacles would exist and then, just the freedom to, I think it's one of the things that we do so little. It's definitely something that's been a part of my practice for the few, last few years. Like if I think something really beautiful or positive about a loved one, like just let them know. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> do, yeah. do, do, do you know what I mean? Like I, I lost um, I lost an auntie who I was extremely close to a couple of years ago. And while, I, of course, I was very sad, one of the things that I, I enjoyed the most uh, or certainly enjoyed the most that sounds a bit strange but the, the what made the process less painful I think is there wasn't a thing that I thought about her that she didn't know and I and I must say like while I was sad for sure that brought me immense peace like mm. knowing that she knew exactly what I thought about her so I, I think what you're saying there is is really really powerful yeah and and that's that's really nice that you have that feeling about that experience and I I still um yeah, I, I get that from people a lot, that they have regrets around death, even if they did everything that was possible. You know, it still seems to be a very human quality to feel regret about death, you know. And yeah. I think that's something that we can also try to accept, that there will always be regret because it's fine to to be sad about losing someone and, and you know, to think that there should be, there should have been more moments, you know. It's kind of like... I don't know if you have any kids, but to to me, when I look at them, I realize that they are still a bit, a lot bigger now than, you know, maybe uh, two months ago. And then that's also a form of death awareness because I kind of, I know that I'm advancing on my, on my timeline and they are too. And so I'm constantly thinking about all the things that have, that are, that have passed already and, um, then there's some regret about, okay, I could have done that or I could have spent more time. I think it's a very human quality. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we should feel too bad about it when it happens. There will always be negative emotions around death. There will also be, you know, guilt or shame sometimes. But you can still work with yourself and others to kind of go through these emotions together and not have the feeling that you never address them, you know? Yeah. There's something so nice in that in terms of I, d- I don't think life is about being perfect, uh, you know, obviously, because we're <laughs> none of us are going to be able to do that. <laughs> but uh, but just the sense of kind of continuous reflection and, and taking account and then naming the thing and then feeling the feeling yeah. from naming it and acknowledging that this happened. And then it potentially like letting us take corrective 
corrective action if if we see the situation again or maybe not again and just having the the courage to name it once again and to process it and to move on exactly yeah it's it's super interesting just this i this idea of um when you're you know when you're asking people to think about like on on their them being on their deathbed but there was also something you said earlier just in terms of like magical moments in in death or you know not or in the suffering or in, in dying can you kind of elaborate on on that yeah i mean there there are many different levels to that i would say depending on you know how open you are also to you know spiritual ideas of course but even if you're not there are still a lot of moments that are just incredibly beautiful despite them being so so sad i mean i have a very good ex- uh, example from this week um i spent some days in our in one of our funeral homes in stuttgart in the south of germany and um there's a young uh, woman who works with uh with the dead there and a big part of our work is death care so basically you you prepare the bodies for their funeral so what you do is you wash the bodies and uh you clothe them and you make sure that that you know these people look peaceful and that they have um a good last moment a dignified moment um no matter what their way is afterwards where they have to go they go to the crematorium or um or the graveyard or they go to be um you know presented in some way in um uh, in a celebration hall or whatever it it may be you basically spend this time with them getting them ready and and making sure that they have a peaceful last moment and so she does a lot of that work and um she told me that she had a beautiful moment with a daughter recently whose father committed suicide and he actually and this is you know a, a situation that will never come to mind when you think about beautiful situations you know having to hold space for a family where the father just committed suicide and um so what he did is he jumped from uh, uh from a house she was called um to kind of take care of the situation. And she's still a very young woman. She's around 20 years old. So she came to the scene and um, apparently the father didn't look very good, obviously. And um, so she did what she could in order to kind of make it a bit more dignified to kind of, you know, um, present the body in a, in a different way together with the police, obviously, because you always have to be with the police in these situations. And then she she did what she could because her do- the daughter wanted to say goodbye to him uh, on the scene, which is an incredibly courageous act in my opinion. And so she did that, and she um, she actually told the daughter, you know, I took care of it as much as I could, and you can say goodbye now, but I would recommend you not to do it, you know. And the daughter said, No, I want to see him. I have to make sure that it is him, and I have to kind of take it in as a reality. And so she she went and said goodbye to to her father, and then afterwards she hugged um, this young woman that's working for us, and she said thank you for making this possible, you know. And so this is actually, in my opinion, a very beautiful and also magical act that two people can come together and unite around a very painful moment. 
and kind of, you know, not making it better because it's still, it's, it still is the most horrible thing that can happen to you. So you're not making it better, but you're there and you can, and you're making it possible for her to be there and to kind of endure it with her, you know, and, and that is something that will hopefully stay with this daughter for the rest of her life that she listened to her own instinct and she, um, she wanted to do it. So she did. So she was self-determined and, a moment of pain and she will never have to regret that she didn't do that, you know? So, um, that to me is a very beautiful aspect of the work. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, there's something incredibly beautiful in that, that I think you touched on in terms of how we view death and sometimes how we even talk about death. Like it's not in that, Look, the thing that we're all going to be most sad about is the is the person that's leaving, right? Like, and whatever whatever relationship dynamics were at play, maybe things could be heightened, or things could be, there could be a little more peace in terms of that. But nobody's ever going to do something to to bring them back, right? Mm. Yeah. But there's these amazing mo- like so the idea that no, so nobody can really fix it, right? Like exactly, you, you know. But there are things, but. That's but when you realize that's the present reality of the situation, what can we do around that? Yeah, that makes this experience one that is open to beautiful moments, like an embrace between two people that didn't know each other, and now the lady that's working for you will have a profound effect on 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 this lady's life as well going forward. Yeah, there's something really, I don't know. There's something really. Um, I don't know, I feel something very deeply about just what you said there in terms of how we view death or how we frame death. Yeah. And it's also, I think, a big misconception that, for example, if you have someone who is uh, grieving around you, um, a close friend perhaps, um, people always think they have to make it better. They have to say something, you know, that one thing that makes it all go away, you know, and... (laughs) And then because they're so inhibited around it, they don't call, you know, because they don't, they can't think of something to make it better. So they yeah. rather not call, you know, yeah. and uh, really what this person needs is just for you to be there and to, to just be silent with them or, or, you know, just, or cry with them or, or whatever, you know, and not do anything at all. Just give them the feeling they're not alone. And um, I think that's um, a big part of the work we do, that we don't leave people alone if they don't want to, you know. I mean, of course, there are people that want to be alone and then it's fine. Yeah, um, (laughs) I'm picturing you just (laughs) trying to be around somebody who wants to be alone for five minutes. No, I, I understand exactly what you mean, but but isn't that you know when you're talking about the lessons in in a good death and and then a, and a good life, like for all the trial, and I love how you described it even earlier, the idea of okay, my my child is there's moments that have now passed, my child is getting older, and and I and I do think I've started to frame more things, like even relationships in life, like we change we change and different people people grow their separate ways, whether it's like a friendship, a, a partnership, whatever it may be. There are actually loads of things, um, whether it's old behaviors, there are so many things, so many kind of deaths, if you view them as that way in your life, yeah. uh, like the passing of a moment, like that it is, yeah. it, it is almost a shifting thing. Um, but there's something just in terms of, we're all going to go through difficult things in life. 
And so often the last thing a friend needs that's going through trouble, like even if it's heartbreak, you, you know, like mm. that, oh, there's plenty more fish in the sea or, <laughs> you know, like uh, you are <laughs> yeah, better, exactly. you know, you're like, there's no, there's no magic words. And yet we seem to think that what the moment needs is yeah. a peps uh, talk or a rally yes. like, where it's, yeah. it's really not, you know? No, it just needs compassion and uh companionship maybe and um yeah community sometimes it just and i think it needs a lot of um self reflection and self determination i think that's what it all comes down to that you basically have the feeling um that you're doing what is good for you in that moment and you shouldn't be listening to what people think is good for you in that moment You yeah. should be able to feel that for yourself and express it for yourself in whatever whatever way is good for you. Um, so, yeah, that also makes it really hard to kind of judge people in extreme situations because everyone is just so individual how they deal with grief and loss, you know. And as you say, we go through so many moments of loss in our lives. We go through breakups, we go, you know, we lose our jobs or um, our company goes bankrupt. Uh, we, we all went through Corona and had a lot of, you know, losses and, and, um, and grievances and uh, different lifestyles all of a sudden. And, and all of that is connected to, to grief, you know, not... Uh, it, it's it all varies of course um in intensity but uh we just have to kind of uh, be free to get into that feeling of um how we are affected by this feeling of loss and then deal with it on our own terms yeah and i think even from what you're kind of saying just being able to acknowledge reality in some way like yeah because we can't uh I often think we kind of think that we we can circumvent or get away with these feelings if we just don't look at it for long enough. But I, but I think yeah. the more we're kind of bending reality so that we don't have to address certain things, the more it kind of shapes us and kind of shapes us unconsciously. And so we get to a point of really not knowing ourselves because we've just kind of bent ourselves so out of shape, yeah. you, you know, to, to avoid acknowledging it. Yeah, and actually you're addressing a really um, essential point for me here because this bending and not addressing reality is also a big part of how we deal with death um, in the medical sector, for example. And, right. uh, uh, you know, that's something that I was close to uh, thanks to my father, but also, you know, now working in death care. Obviously, there are a lot of people that, that are going through um, life-prolonging therapies and um, you know that's our way of dealing with death that we want to kind of deny it at first and we want to fight for life no matter the circumstances and we sometimes accept situations uh, or life conditions that are horrible just in order to make it last longer you know which is kind of absurd and I was in um, conversation this week where um, it was a, a mother and a daughter and they had just um, lost their husband slash uh, father. And he had gotten his um, cancer diagnosis and then he was dead within 10 days. And when, he, when they found his cancer, it had already um, spread so much within his body that he, on his own terms, decided that he would not go through chemo. 
And so he basically uh, said no to all the doctors and also to his family. And he said he wanted to uh, go home and die on his own terms. Wow. And so they had to go through that with him. And they said, both of them said to me afterwards, they were so glad that he did it um, because they felt he had really taken his own decision. It was his way of dealing with his death. And they had a good um, nurse that was helping them. And it was incredibly fast, but they didn't have a regret of him going through something that he didn't want. So uh, it was still a good death. You know what I mean? You know, for people that are only listening to this, um, it's so interesting. The things you're sharing are getting me kind of misty-eyed, but then at the same <laughs> time, they're getting me to, to, to smile. Do, do, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Like in, in both the example when um, that lady was wanted to have a look at her, her father and then in this situation too, I th I think, you know, when you're even alluding to the magical moments, like, I think there is something about, there's still so much beauty in some of these situations. Yes. You, yeah. it's it doesn't mean it's not sad, but there's still so much beauty in them. Yeah. I spend a lot of my time misty-eyed, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> but also, I mean, I was actually alluding to, you know, um, magical moments that are, that are truly magical, that are quite especially if you're a bit uh, spiritual like and, I am. On and I am as well, so please go <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, for example, one of my uh, favorite um, stories to share is um, that when I had my first, um, the first dead body that I took care of was um, they, they had been very kind to me at our um, funeral home and they actually gave me a woman who had, you know, who was very old when she died. She looked very peaceful. Um, she was almost 100 years old. So there was nothing disturbing around the fact that she died. You know, it was just, it looked like it was a very natural death. Right. So for me, it was quite easy um, to kind of approach her. And I started talking to her because I kind of wanted to put myself and also a bit her at ease that because it's an incredibly intimate moment you know because you're you're getting very close to someone you know it's kind of like taking care of a baby after it's born you know it's just yeah. the other way around basically and um so she she uh, lay there on um, our on on this table and she had a do you call it defibrillator the the uh, thing that goes into your heart no i i think so I, I think a pacemaker so. oh, okay okay a pacemaker. I, <laughs> I wasn't gonna know the <laughs> answer right away i think so thank you <laughs> that's what i mean she had a pacemaker and uh, she had been dead for um for a pretty long time actually around a week i would say and and we have them in our cooling unit you know we have uh, room for for um, quite a few um uh, bodies and so she she had been there for a while and she had been cool but she still looked very you know not much had um changed and uh but i knew okay so she's been dead for a week and she has this pacemaker and i saw it on her chest and before i started i i went and took her hand 
yeah, which is something that I now always do. It's kind of like a first way of contact, you know. You wear gloves and everything, but it's still kind of a way of making contact with that person. And the moment I touched her, her, her pacemaker went off after seven days. And so that was Jesus. really such an intense moment of her giving me a sign in my spiritual mind that it was fine for me to to continue. But at the same time, it was also, you know, this feeling of how much is still there. You know, I mean, there was kind of this feeling of energy uh, that was changing between her and me. And she was basically becoming a bit more alive and I was becoming a bit more dead, if you will. We, we were just kind of like exchanging this energy and the sign of it, of that in my mind was the pacemaker that went off. And um, apparently that sometimes happens. I uh, Obviously there were other people around because I was doing it for the first time. So I asked them and they actually have a magnet to change the vibration basically and to put it off. And it was fine afterwards. I mean, you know, she had all the all the certain signs of death and there was no confusion around anything. But still, for me, that was a really big moment of how fragile this atmosphere is around death and how thin the line is between life and death and between our two worlds, basically. Well, I don't even know what to say to that. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. but that's, that's, um, that's really fascinating. Like that's, did that, did that change your, like when this happened? Um, cause I, I've, I've had a few experiences in my life, not, or, not around death, but just that really challenged my perspective of the world and maybe even a, a spiritual experience or a meditative experience or, or something where I'm just like, okay, my logical mind kind of can't quite square this away yeah. like or sorry it's one thing to believe in something intellectually when you read about it and you go yeah yeah that 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 could happen in afterlife or, or whatever whatever your view may be but it's another thing to have an experience where you're where i'm like oh god what if all the things that i'm reading are true <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 do, yeah. do you understand what i'm saying so like totally. in, in that moment does something in you shift or are you calm or 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 what like or even afterwards how did you process that it was actually more a way for me to confirm a feeling that i had before that because the moment when i really went into uh, death care was just after giving birth strangely enough but also not so strangely because um, for me the experience of giving birth was very you know closely connected to death because you know as a woman you it's a very existential experience and the possibility of death is sometimes in the room with you you know um, and you're kind of thinking about the possibility of your kid dying and and of women you know dying during you know during birth so um to me it was quite transcendental the whole experience and i started thinking about um you know circles of life and how closely everything is connected after giving birth and so to me it was more a quest of kind of finding signs that it might be the way I thought it would be or I hoped it would be, you know, that we're kind of wandering in in worlds that we um, seem to understand, but then there, there are things that we don't understand. And then that gives you this beautiful feeling of 
there's so much more than you know what I can fathom and so for me it was a very beautiful confirmation of this feeling of there's so much more than I thought yeah which is I don't know for me it, it, it's been simultaneously disordered like when I have experiences where I'm just left with very little doubt oh wow there's so much more to this it's yeah. uh it can be uncomfortable as well and in, in kind of reorientating again <laughs> uh, exactly. or recalibrating your perspective but it's I don't know I think that leads us to kind of magical places and even just how you're I love how so often in um in this conversation you're kind of just pairing birth and, and death to get together you know like yeah this this woman that was dying was uh like was a in some way a newborn or sorry that was this yes. late, uh, woman was a newborn in some ways and then even in the moment of birth with your own child you're like saying that there's still the the sense of there's death is in the room as as well like there's something really mm. I, it feels quite profound to that perspective like the yeah the the subtlety or the acceptance that they're they're both in some ways let's say two sides of a, of a one coin if you get me yeah it really feels like that and um i think it's also i mean there's a saying that um when you arrive uh in this world then you're crying and everyone else is laughing or smiling and if you're leaving everyone is crying but you're laughing um this this is kind of the the feeling that i'm getting that um people that are letting go in the moment um of death they seem to be released in some way and the ones that stay behind are sad so it's it is it can be quite encouraging to know that there might be something um you know that that there is something happening that makes you smile while you leave you know yeah. Um, no matter how far that goes. In terms of, I know, I know you mentioned you first started kind of having a curiosity for for the like the process of death when you know you'd you'd hear about your father's uh, patience and experiences, and then you've kind of mentioned there just the this uh, this was the first um, body or woman that you you know you were treating like, and there were people around, and this experience with the pacemaker happened what what brought you into this world like in the in this in the current role that you're in there like what what was the what was the the point that where you're like oh, I'd actually just really like to get even more involved in this beyond uh and more like having an acceptance of the idea of death to me it really was birth because I was I was really inspired by this very physical and spiritual world of existential human experience and I was really inspired by the women that were taking care of me, giving birth. And I felt like I wanted to be part of this transitioning experience uh, between the worlds and kind of helping the body to transform and taking care of it in the process. So that really spoke to me. And um, I also was really lucky to to meet a woman who is has been in uh, the funeral world for a very long time and who is a very passionate death care death carer basically yeah. and her name is Barbara Rolf and she was basically a big inspiration and still is we work together every day I and mean, we're part of the, the same team now um, but she inspired me at the beginning that it could be something 
that is simultaneously very physical and very meta level and all the things in between taking care of a dead person and kind of reflecting your own mortality as you do. Yeah, because this is kind of the core of the experience that after taking care of a dead body, you walk into life quite differently. You feel incredibly alive and, um, you know, birds are singing more loudly and, you know, everything is, is uh, more intense in a way because you're just so grateful that you're still there, even though, you know, death itself doesn't have to be something very bad, but still we don't know what will come. So um, you you exit the room with this notion of making most of what you still have, you know, um, in this world. So, yeah. So it's, it's like, uh, you know, the way sometimes in life we say, oh, that would really make you think or that would give you a different perspective. You, you know, even if you hear something um, quite... Uh, even tragic happening in somebody else's thing or you read something in the paper but hmm. but you're almost kind of saying there that this constant uh or continuous engagement with death then also brings this it seems like a real kind of a continuous engagement with aliveness then like yeah. the birds sound uh, louder like the the experience yeah. there's more even gratitude or an appreciation for the experience of aliveness yeah i think everyone should do it I mean, even if it's just once, yeah. uh, there, there are Buddhist monks that kind of uh, do their daily meditation uh, over a dead body. You know, you don't, you don't have to do that every day, but I think just, the <laughs> just, um, just doing it once in your life is incredibly valuable um, because you just, it's like your body understands that it will die at some point. Yeah. So you you just integrate that knowledge on a different level. You can you can talk about it, you can think about it, but the moment you touch, you know, your your first cold foot, basically, you just uh, you just integrate that knowledge and you look at life differently afterwards. Well, that's a uh, that's. Quite an amazing practice, isn't it? The the idea of, yeah. of touching a <laughs> touching a cold foot and then this almost this uh, thing shift from a practice or you know a, an almost like an intellectual level to a, a very strong experiential uh, sense at, yeah. at that point. Yeah, I mean, you will never look at your own foot in the same way because you, or maybe you will, but for for a certain while you will just think about you know, how this will happen to you and how amazing it is that you're still here. Yeah. Just in terms then, I, I know you're talking about like uh, some of the work you're doing, working on bodies, then also this this sense of what you're trying to achieve with the company you're at in terms of kind of bringing the conversation of death more into the into the general consciousness of, of society. Where did that transition come from in terms of, okay, these, this is the work that I'm doing with bodies and now this is, this is the message we'd like to get out there or this is, when did that kind of thread uh, emerge for you? It's um, something that kind of developed very naturally in a parallel manner. I have always been a journalist. I've always been um, a communicative person. So I always want to kind of uh, express what I'm doing and, and get people's reactions and be in a dialogue yeah. so it just kind of uh started um in that very same moment because my first job in the sector was to write a blog about um, mortality and um, how to understand what funeral you want for yourself that was my own my first paid job basically in the death 
sector. So it started very natural uh, to, yeah, to just kind of share all the thoughts that I had with the world. And then I transitioned into this communication team of Germany's um, biggest funeral company. Um, so my job is to, um, to communicate uh, this topic based on the work that we do every day, basically, and to get people to, to think about their own mortality and funeral. That's basically what, what I want and, uh, and what I do and what motivates me. So I started experimenting because at first it was always the same few hundred people that were le uh, reading the blog. So I was quite interested to see, okay, what do I have to do in order to get people out of their avoidance, basically. Um, so, uh, and a few formats have been um, very successful, like uh, a TikTok channel that we do around death education. And it's very gratifying to be discussing these topics with young people and sometimes also their parents on, on the channel. But we've also, for example, we've done a magazine with a big German economic magazine where we are sharing for the first time ever, I would say, numbers um, of the funeral business in Germany, which was always very intransparent. Um, so I'm just trying to find different levels of transparency and, um, and sharing the knowledge that we have in order for people to make better decisions basically around their end of life yeah this is uh i, th I think this is so helpful to people uh you know e even just from the point of view of uh especially even during the course of this conversation i just love how you're i don't know the the perspective like or the the dis or almost the the how much you're able to hold in view with just this one topic which seem generally is kind of painted as this dark and negative and 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 you know there's something that people avoid and and it, there can only be tragedy seen within it um i, I just love the way you, you kind of engage with this or, or frame uh frame this as well in in terms of in terms of you know the i know you're alluding to earlier even the question of um who would you like to be at um at, at your deathbed if you're thinking about that and um, just in your experience of of working with people that are that are close to close to the end of life or are close to dying when you, when you think of the question of um what is a good death what are the elements that come to mind for you mm, i think i mean we can't really impact on the way we die unfortunately i mean many of us can't you can of course if you or if you have a diagnosis and you impact on the way you deal with your diagnosis, or if you're very old and you stop eating, you know, so you there are ways of impacting on the way you die. Um, but for a lot of us, there aren't. And so we have to try to impact on our life in order to have a good death. Yes. And so to me, it's a lot about that. I think about how can I live that I could die at any moment, you know, that I actually don't have regrets that are so bad that they would keep me from dying in this moment. And um, as, as long as I have that, I think I'm going to have a good death. You know, I mean, of course, if I die now, it's horrible because I'm not very old and I have uh, kids and all of that, but still I could go with a peaceful mind because I know I've had the conversations that I 
had to have in order to make a peaceful exit you know yeah i think peace is a peace is a greatly underappreciated word you know people think that they're seeking <laughs> happiness they're seeking excitement and thrills and different things like this but mm. uh, but i think i don't know peace always hits me very hard <laughs> or hits hits yeah. me very deeply <laughs> i guess it would be a better way of putting it that it's yeah uh, because like, to me, it kind of just represents like a, an acceptance of what is. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just based on, on things then that you've also been saying, like this, the importance of, you know, community, compassion, self-reflection, self-determinism, um, acknowledging what is, even the sense of like, you know, dying on your, dying on your own terms, even being able to, to see the, and I know even when you were saying like, okay, well, I'm even talking about even a more magical experience of, uh, this woman with the pacemaker, but also like there is a a magic, right. In terms of being able to see the beauty in a, even in, let's say even on the more like ordinary level of, of life, that there, there's a real magic to just that you're also talking about the idea of, um, you know just being there for people we don't need to fix people what we really need to do is just to to be there for each other maybe not say anything um maybe say something maybe leave them alone for a little bit maybe not if you know yeah. and just to to engage with that and, and to dance with that if if i were to ask you then just the the sense of 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 what is a good life for you uh what, what else what else comes to mind yeah i think to me um it's the same answer right the uh, because life and death to me are so intertwined that the one kind of leads to the other i mean if you if you have this acceptance of what is and we all have to accept death as what it is even though it's kind of the ultimate fantasy nobody knows what will happen so no no one can be right we can have endless conversations around it but still you know it happens and we have to accept it when it happens and all we can do is to, you know, as cliche as it sounds, be in the moment and just try to make the most of what we have. And I think that to me gives you both a good life and a good death. It's, um, I, d- I don't know, like there's something, there's something kind of paradox. Like I found this a very enlivening conversation. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know, there's something in the way that you're, you're exploring this, uh, like how intertwined you see life and death, which I, I think is, for me, it's a really like it's a really powerful perspective. Um, for lots of the things you mentioned there, even just the ability to accept things as they are, or to to accept things as it is, because I I don't know. There's something so, given that it feels to me that there, it's something we're avoiding. We avoid aging. We kind of in our in our Western societies, aging is almost this thing of oh god, like how can I prevent this? Where it's like no, this is a natural. Yeah, you're dead already. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like, and then there is through the course of what you're saying too. Like, there's I I don't know. I I just really even I think you're kind of capturing a sense of even in some of the stories you shared of this, like profound sadness and 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 connection and joy and and uh kind of wonderful human connection with within some of these moments as well so this uh i don't know this was a very illuminating conversation for me just in terms of, of how <laughs> how i look at at death and how i perceive this so um Charlotte, thank you so much for for joining us here on, on the what is a good life podcast today uh, i think i think you've left me with a lot to a lot to consider to be perfectly honest <laughs> 
I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was a great conversation for me as well. Thank you. Ah, wonderful. Well, hopefully our, our paths shall cross again. Um, but once again, thank thank you so much for that. That was that, that, that's left me with a lot to think about, as I say. <laughs> cheers. cheers.